Hello and welcome to Life and Inside Job. This is the podcast where we centre our internal experiences as sources of comfort, nourishment and creativity. I'm Kate. I'm the author of Second Spring, The Self-Care Guide to Menopause, and I'm a writer, mentor, speaker, artist and facilitator. And one of the things I just love to do is have soulful, meandering conversations with people about how their inner lives nourish them. And this is what Life and Inside Job is all about. If you're in perimenopause, menopause, or your second spring or summer, you might enjoy the wealth of yoga nidras, visual guides to the seasons, meditations and workshops that are free and easy to access. Just go to my website, katecodrington.co.uk and click on the button that says Start Here. It is my delight to hold space for you to deepen into your body wisdom and your soul's longing so that you can refine trust in your cyclical nature and use these cues from your inner seasons to navigate with presence and delight into the second cycle of your life, whatever the world throws at you. And this can be one-to-one sessions with the menopause doula service, or I make it really easy for you to organize a retreat day, a circle, a workshop, or a talk for your community. You can book a free chat with me and we can figure out what might work for you over a cup of tea together. This episode is all about how the understanding of ourselves as cyclical beings can help us navigate the climate emergency and be sustainable activists. And I'm joined by three guests, Julieta Durante of Hormones in Harmony, Natasha Richardson from Forage Botanicals and period educator Tara Ghosh. They all kindly volunteered to share their wisdom and experience. And we talk about how to manage climate anxiety, how to manage your nervous system and make a difference, how living cyclically helps you and the planet, how to have difficult conversations about the climate emergency and being your own kind of activist. Plus, we have very many great tips to make a difference to climate change that you can, act, that you can use in your everyday life. Mostly, if you look at mainstream media, it seems that we are in complete denial. And I confess I swing between disassociation from the climate emergency and climate panic and anxiety. But working with my inner seasons gives me direct access to the earth and to belonging, to the truth that there is no separation between me and the earth, that we're made of the same stuff. And this drives me into my own kind of quiet activism, keeping the conversation going with episodes like this and sharing the wisdom of the inner seasons through writing. As it was the first multi-person episode and we did it on Zoom, it is a little bit sketchy, but mostly I remembered to unmute myself. The first thing I wanted to know was how the climate emergency relates to their work. And Tara Ghosh is the first person to dive in. So my main reason that I'm doing this work is because of the environmental emergency. Um, Because I feel that right now, women are being held back in two ways. Um, Firstly, that they don't know that um, people with periods don't know that we are cyclical, that we are supposed to feel like a different person each week of our menstrual cycle. Um, And as a result, we really doubt ourselves. Uh, We often burn out because we try and be the same person each week. And I think that's the foundation for women and people here is mental health, knowing that we are cyclical and that we change. Um, And also a huge chunk of people with periods are suffering with period pain, with heavy periods, with bad PMS. And they think that's it, that's their lot in life. And they don't know the really simple things there are to to heal that, to not make it completely go away, but to reduce it to something that's much more less an event, either that week before your period or your actual period. So I think there's two things that are generally holding us back. 
And I think for us to be part of the solution for the man-made climate emergency um, and also to deal with what's going to be happening, you know, I don't want to be, you know, serving up a big turd sandwich here, but, you know, it's, you know, if we continue on the trajectory where our, things aren't looking good for how, you know, society is going to function. So we need everything in our locker to be functioning well to protect our mental health like we all know how hard the last two three years have been through the pandemic and how difficult that was being isolated and all the different challenges that came with our health with our mental health i unfortunately i think something similar will play out in the future with a climate emergency and i want women to be prepared i want them to understand their bodies to know that they're not crazy they're cyclical to know these simple ways to look after themselves and i always joke i kind of want to be out of a job kate like, I don't want to need, be needed to be a period educator. I want this information, which was known, which was common knowledge years ago, to be common knowledge again. And so you don't need to come and see me or the lovely ladies here. It will just be that, oh, you know, I'll speak to my mum, my aunt, my neighbour. She knows about periods or she knows when you've got bad moods, what to do about it. So that's what I, why I do my work, to, to help women so that we can help the planet. Thank you. And Julietta... Tell me about how your work relates to the climate emergency. Yeah, so I think for me, what was really coming up when Tara was talking was this idea of sustainability. Like when I work with, with women, and I mean, my focus is more, again, it's about optimizing hormone health, giving people answers outside of take the pill, which in a way the pill is or can almost be a metaphor for this climate emergency, you know, like a band-aid or something to cover up everything that's happening, something that stops us from connecting with our cycles, with our ebbs and flows, with nature and everything else um and and really I feel that that's one of the key sort of like themes of my work is sustainability like how can we show up in the way in the world in a sustainable way by working with our cycles how can we then connect with the outside world in a sustainable way you know how can we learn not to always push how do we know when we pull back it's this idea of ebbing and flowing but ultimately sustainability you know let's how can we do this long term how can we shop every single day in and out in a way that is feeds us our souls our bodies our spirit everything that you want to call it and I think that for me is that where that that then reflects into the climate emergency you know because we're just ignoring everything we're just doing things like you know we, we kind of feel that there's there's this element of um well apart from denial there's this element of like it's okay, we can we can come up with a man-made solution that will completely override every single uh, natural element here. And it's, we'll be fine, we have this power and actually working with our cycles, balancing hormones, acknowledging our cyclical nature is the only sustainable way to move forward. And is the only, really, I think like Tara was saying, when the shit hits the fan, you know, we really wanna have these, these key key resources and tools and and strategies that we we can already pull upon and really go right we are here we're here we're here we've got this in the same way that you know I feel so many of us reject winter you know when we're recording this it is January in the northern hemisphere and there's a lot of like oh you know whereas when you do the cyclical work you're a bit more like it's okay I can do this I can handle winter you know I can snuggle under the duvet I've got all my tools and all of that and yeah I feel that's where my work is sort of going to um help her hopefully help us and is reflecting what's going on with the climate emergency sustainability the i and having tools strategies and awareness to be able to to to, to exist long term through all of this stuff that's happening it's happening now and it will continue to develop so yeah Mm, sustainability fantastic and Natasha tell me about how your work in, intersects with climate the climate emergency and climate action well I, I come at it um from a slightly different angle because I do the period education stuff but I'm also trained as a herbalist so I work with herbs and trying to bring the natural world into people's everyday lives really and I noticed uh, when I was learning what herbs did and things that it would make me so much more appreciative than 
natural world. And I think that we really are taught from a young age to like fear nature, that it can kill you, don't touch it, like don't eat it. Like there's so many, we're obviously told from a young age, more warnings than we are safe things about it. And because we've lost the knowledge of what is safe in nature, we end up really overemphasizing the dangerous side of it. Um, and so this is somewhere that I think that there's like a wonderful intersection between uh, periods of cyclical living and natural living and, and simple ways of living and how we can really reduce our footprint on the earth as a respect to that. It seems like all of us work very holistically in the sense that the philosophy that we bring to our kind of period education is a philosophy that can apply for everything. I'm quite interested. I think that we should share with people who are listening these tools. We've all of us in, in different, well, all of you in different ways have talked about the tools um, that you use to manage the our cyclical nature. No, we should start with cyclical natures and what the hell that is, right? I mean, because people might not know. So, um, uh, Julieta, can you can you tell me about, can you kick off, maybe we'll do one season each. You you kick off with your favourite season. What's your favourite season, Julieta? Mm, I think currently, definitely in autumn, that's the, the one where I'm feeling powerful, the one that I rejected the most for many years, struggled with, resisted, and then all of a sudden magic happened and I really fell in love with my inner autumn I think it's also because I am perimenopausal so there is a shift now happening where I'm really leaning into it um for those people listening who don't quite know what inner autumn is this is like pretty much that build up before our periods um this is the home of PMS shall we say traditionally it's the it's the the place in our cycle where our hormones do the most sort of complicated dancing and um there's quite a bit going on but like you know after resisting this for many many years when I started leaning into like even the PMS and the anger and everything that was coming up at this time I really started embracing it and um, I love working with a client who comes to me and says I hate my inner autumn I'm like yes <laughs> challenge accepted you know and it's just it always really really fulfills me and really fills me with joy when you know after like a couple of months of working together they're just like yeah I love this time you know I I finally had that conversation that I've been meaning to have for at least 10 years you know that, that really stepping into that power that lies at this time and even like you know because I am a nutritionist as well there's a lot of like stuff that goes on in this this season around feeling more hungry having cravings and I love doing the work around that as well I'm like well what if you just ate what you wanted and people are like what <laughs> you know and it's like well what if you and this really does kind of tie tie into this like like really listening to our needs there and then and our ebbs and flows because it's like you need to eat more at this time what if you trusted that you had to eat more and that's always a massive moment with so many clients and I'm like the challenge is you know can you prepare yourself this meal that is going to nourish you so much and it's going to fill you to the brim that your craving will go and people look at me like oh there's the unease and everything and then after like a few cycles they're really really embracing that and really stepping into that and that's you know mirroring um the the outer seasons as well you know we have harvest times we have times when food isn't as plentiful we eat different foods and all of that um so maybe I've gone off on a tangent and talked a bit about my tools but for me inner autumn the home of the rage and the PMS and all of that is 100% my, my, my favourite um, inner season. And I'm curious to hear, because the others are nodding, I'm curious to hear what their favourite seasons are. <laughs> yeah, so who, who, want, who, who wants to step into winter? Natasha, Me! And tell us what your favourite season is too. <laughs> Maybe it's winter. Winter is my favourite. And um because for me it's like a real time of just rest and and not having to do anything that I don't want to do and just getting in a little cave and being all cozy and I, I've noticed that like with both of my pregnancies I kind of time them so that I'm at my most pregnant during during actual winter and I find that it's so much easier 
I can't imagine what it would be like if I was trying to socialize and and be available to everybody at this time it's just not possible and I'm the same when it comes to my period I would always put in my calendar like this is roughly when it's going to happen and I would like refuse to I wouldn't plan anything social during that time I probably wouldn't have any like podcast interviews things where I was going to have to like think and talk (laughs) I just wouldn't do any of that and really just um yeah settle into the duvet days bloody young I mean what (laughs) Who wouldn't want that? And yeah, like full, full marks for showing up today because yeah. I'm a real, I I am a real doer. And so it's really hard for me to not constantly be active. So I have to like um almost regimentally organize not doing things. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will be able to relate to that um Tara that that gives you spring but I'd also like to know what your favorite season is please oh Julieta stole it didn't she um autumn is definitely my favorite and so I like was nodding crazily when you were talking about it because that wouldn't have been my favorite 10 years ago even and um and I should I should note that I'm 44 and I only learned about this season business in my late 30s so again I, I only can say in retrospect I didn't like autumn. I was very much a summer gal. Um, And actually spring is my hardest month. So um, for many people, they really like spring because they feel like, oh, thank God, period's over. So spring is about the week or so after your period. And they think, okay, they're almost like coming out of the hibernation. They feel like, oh, thank God, I'm me again, you know, and they feel, you know, optimistic and they have a lot more energy coming back. They, um, but for me with that, and that rise in estrogen around about day six or seven, that really increases my anxiety for me personally. So that is the trickiest part of my season is spring. But for many people, they find it a lovely time to be planning, to be thinking, okay, right, I had, I, in my winter, I was kind of in a daydream, kind of tapping into my intuition. Now spring is here. Let's see how I can put those ideas, those seeds into action. Um, and so I have so many friends and clients who adore spring but for me it is a much trickier phase I don't I find it hard I find it my hardest phase actually thank you yeah I think you're not alone in that my my observation is that um all sorts of themes and issues from birth from our first periods from menarche often reappear in spring and that you know Mm. when when we're in an autumnal time of life so when we're in a a perimenopause time of life or say we're grieving or ill or something like that then springs consequently become much more um they need they might they become much more vulnerable and they become they need much more protection i think Mm. so the the kind of caring is really important that weirdly leaves me with summer (laughs) I kind of don't know what to do with that here so for people who don't know summer in the menstrual cycle would be around ovulation um very often um more energy more kind of uh multitasking is possible there's more energy and we've we are more visible we are we just are more visible when we're ovulating and there's a great, there's a great, my my favorite um, example of this is in Uma Dinsmore Tuli's book, Yoni Shakti, where, oh, what was the research? Oh, yeah, it wasn't her research, it was somebody else's research, but she quoted it, that's right. That in a lap dancing club, women, dancers rather, who were not on um, hormonal birth control earned 80% more tips when they were ovulating. So we're more visible. And this visibility can, like, you know, there's, 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 there's always positive and negative within seasons. This visibility can also be absolutely rattling and unnerving. This charge of energy, I remember being, like, being unable to contain it. You know, it was very, deeply uncomfortable sometimes. So that that is also a shadow, shadow side of something. So that, that's in a menstrual cycle. It would also be a full moon. 
and also times in our creative process when we are saying yes, yes to the world. So it's a really kind of a time of engagement, like we're engaging, you know, it's like partying and really wanting to meet people and kind of grab the world by its by its ovaries, <laughs> grab the world by its ovaries and say yes, yes to ourselves um, and really kind of allow ourselves to be seen and kind of grapple with those things. So, yeah, all, the, all those kinds of things. Um, yeah. So what about, well, actually, I think I'd like to say something about, about my work in climate change as well. Because um, the reason that I instigated this conversation was because, you know, I'm postmenopausal. I work a lot with people in perimenopause and menopause. Um, and the seasons of the annual seasons are a complete anchor for me in that and tapping into the energy of the earth. Um, and it really occurred to me that by calling in these annual season qualities to yoga nidra, which is what I do in order to help people um, live within their cyclical nature, wherever they, whatever time of life they are, it gives an enormous amount of comfort and an enormous amount of reassurance of things changing, of, of the rest and um, activity cycles. But it's also when we observe climate change, and we're, we're I think we're all here in the UK. Yeah, we're all in the UK. As we observe climate change as we have particularly last year, it's also deeply discomforting. Like we feel it is both reassuring and deeply discomforting. And I was wondering how, whether you've seen that in your clients or how you deal with that within yourselves. Um, for me, I'm really finding it um, a challenge, an internal challenge, because I'm very, and I suspect most of us who do this work are very sensitive to our environments. We're like, I always think of myself as a little flower, you know, and need all the right conditions. And, um, you know, I, I found the summer last year in the UK particularly troubling because it was so hot, the heat waves, apart from obviously just, you know, you just the worry, you know, you're already going into this very sort of like, fight or flight state because you're always you're thinking about this and then you're seeing the news and, and all of this it's it's quite a stressful situation but like just the effects on my body you know just feeling this heat that I've never felt in a country in the UK you know I've lived here for over 20 years and it's just like I know people said in the 70s there's a few heat waves and stuff but like I've never ever felt walking out to almost like Saharan temperatures this causes an immense amount of distress in my body both physical mental and emotional you know it's just and, and those kind of temperatures really affect me, like I slow down. But you see, if I was somewhere where these were like, shall we say, the right temperatures and in inverted commas, I would be OK with that. I'd be like, OK, it's heat. This is it. But when they're not ones that are really part of this particular climate, I can't settle into it. There's a real like, I don't know, like there's it doesn't feel right in my body. And there's it, there's, it just. Yeah, I, I really I can only describe it as like a very stressful and worrying experience I didn't sleep properly not just because of the heat but because I was honestly just like oh my god this is happening you know this is real um and I think for me that's 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 a big thing and you know I, I talking to clients as well you know because I love taking that inner seasons model and saying okay so the best thing about this model is you know how you feel when it's winter outside really all you have to do is is translate that into winter inside or that's such a wonderful guide and you know a lot of clients have been saying to me yeah it's interesting but actually you know like this year I don't know if you any of you have spotted there's already cherry blossoms appearing so I saw my first cherry blossom in December this year and like the ultimate sign of spring in December is hugely concerning and I have had a few clients reflect that back to me and say I know what you mean about the spring, but actually this winter things have felt more spring-like and I've I've been looking at the leaves and I've been looking at the buds and things are coming sooner and that's causing, you know, a real sense of like discombobulation inside of us and a real like unease. So I think for me, that's how it's sort of like coming about really 
really noticing that my sensitivity to the environment is is now really tapping into these strange patterns and just causing a lot of une unease in me really so yeah that's me curious to hear what um the others are also experiencing and how, how did you manage to hold these two you and your clients well how did you manage to hold this dissonance between winter and this emergence of spring <laughs> <laughs> not not in the not in an easy way I think you know sort of just being okay with paradoxes sometimes helps me going okay well this is this is a situation this is what it is um but it has inspired me and fired me to to really start becoming more vocal about the climate emergency and really linking in a lot more and going look we need to do something about this you know we our internal seasons are a reflection of what's going on outside and if the outside is completely buggered up what the hell are, are we going to be doing so I think it's led me to explore it more explore my emotions more and really start thinking about I think we mentioned the word activism or we want to talk about that you know becoming more just of an activist for all of this and and yeah but it's not an easy way I, I don't think I've held it in a particularly you know like easy way and it hasn't it's still causing me a lot of distress I think actually as a word I would use there's no there's no other way to put it yeah I also find it very distressing and I found like the heat waves that we're getting in the summer like it upsets me and I try and like just hide literally hide away in my house and not like pretend that it's not happening but I just I can't go out in the heat it's not possible oh I it zaps me of all of my energy so I just like yeah stay in the house but I have because I've been foraging for so long like 10 years or or, or maybe a bit more now you become like very acutely aware of when things are not in season or like what we perceive to be the season for that thing um a great example at the moment for people that live at least towards the south of England or the UK is that may blossom hawthorn blossom it's called may blossom because it should blossom in may and it's in folklore it's traditionally perceived to be bad luck to bring a may blossom into your house and to pick it before may but now it's the only time you can get it because it's so warm. And this is on the one hand, this like really bothers me. But on the other hand, it's made me really like consider what how do we define seasons and seasonality and, and how do we how do we come to terms with or redress maybe just the way that we were thinking about it to begin with? Maybe we know that we always think of it as a gradual shift right from one to the next but maybe there's also a bit of a it makes me think of a yin yang symbol where there's like the male within the female and the female within the male kind of like energy or masculine and feminine I should say really um maybe there are like blips of spring inside winter and maybe it's always been like that that there's always been like the odd the odd hot bit where something tried to get out a little bit like sooner than maybe we would have liked and it would have been so nice and neat if it was all really linear it's actually just not and maybe it's always been like that but it's getting more extreme now and the way that I've the thing that I've really noticed with the seasons now for people that are more aware of what the unnatural seasons are actually like rather than the seasons determined by kind of our consumerism of like it's the end of Christmas, so now you should all buy bunnies for Easter. Uh, <laughs> then you kind of like notice that winter and summer are getting more extreme and spring and autumn are getting quite short and snappy. I don't know if you've also noticed this. Tara? My thoughts on that kind of how does it all make me feel um, is like I oscillate between sort of eco-panic and anxiety. Uh, you know, and I also was just so really angry last summer because despite like the insane weather, like I can't remember exactly what, wasn't it like five days? Well, in, I'm in London, but, you know, wasn't there like one day of 40 and then like seven days of 39? Like it just was an insane. It wasn't like, you know, back in the 80s where you'd be like, oh, it's 28 for two days. You know what I mean? Like it was a real chunk of time where it was solid and still 
all the front pages of the newspaper were just like, oh, it's a it's a scorcher or like with ice creams and people jumping in the sea in Bournemouth. And I'm like, no, really, really? Like, this is uncomfortable. Like, no one, how is that not front page news? You're just still propagating the same story. Isn't it great that it's a scorcher? So I often go from kind of eco-anxiety and panic to kind of back to a place like I feel the place that we need to move on to be sustainable in this space, which is from a place of love, our place of love for each other and and love for the planet and thinking, okay, and this is not, I'm not being defeatist. I will, it sounds, about it sounds saying some bit so, but like we're all supposed to be here now. Like we're supposed to be here with all of this awfulness happening. And the, like we were chosen to be here so that because we have the skills to support each other and this is our journey and we will be part of the solution of, of whatever it happens and that that's how it gives me peace and I'm not thinking oh great well I'll just go on 10 holidays this year because you know so I'm supposed to be here and it's all supposed to unfold like this it's not that like I feel really also I feel very optimistic for this year um in the sense that I know that there's with World Earth Day in April, there's like some big plans with the XR have and other environmental movements to to really have a big show of people. And I'm I am really optimistic because, you know, for years people have been worried about this and no one's been listening. But I genuinely think there is mass concern about this now after again, this is all UK based, but a massive storm that happened last February. The the um, really horrible weather in the summer. Um, we go somewhere the same week every July, and for the last three years, each like every year has been the hotter version. Like this is the hottest day of, but like the year before they said that no, 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 every single, and then November being the wettest November on record. You know, I think, and like the Brits love talking about weather, right? So I think now it's so on our radar that I do think that people and. Is it too little, too late? Probably. But also I'm given a lot of hope from what happened through the pandemic, that if we get the mass media on side, that anything can happen. Like women, like we all stayed at home. <laughs> we all feared for our life. And, right, you know, at the start of the pandemic, everyone, everyone did what they were told because we were told it's for the greater good. And I think if we get the messaging right, then people will change and do all sorts to do something for the climate emergency. It just needs to be spelled out a bit better. So how can we be activists? You know, in the face of what I see as general denial and disassociation, you know, very much so many parallels between climate, so many parallels between the climate emergency and how we regard female bodies. It's sort of denial, nothing's happening here. Let's just medicate it and keep going how can we be activists what can we how do we manage ourselves Mm, I was trying to yeah I was musing on that I think I, I I really love that analogy between bodies women's bodies and the climate emergency and for me I really resonate with that especially when we're getting into that perimenopause or like all the the shifts that are happening in our bodies like it all makes me really angry that we're made to feel like crap about ourselves and it's all like wrinkle up in a corner and nobody wants to know you and I I, for me you tapping into that anger is very powerful and in the same way I can tap into the anger around body image and the way that an aging body especially a female body is so vilified you know using that anger to then become an activist for climate change and I really think it's for me it's about well continuing to educate about the inner seasons and the power of our cyclical nature and literally I talk to anyone who well, even if they don't want to listen, to be honest with you, that's not really an option. You're going to hear me babbling on about seasons anyway. And cyclical nature, I don't literally give a shit if you want to hear me or not. And that's where it's all about. It's about just, and it's those moments when people realise that there is this huge connection. And if we can carry on talking about the connection between our own cyclical nature and the outer cyclical nature and how forging this connection really is the key to to understanding that we are connected to something much, much, much bigger than ourselves. If we really, truly get that, I think that's where you're going to find 
you know, because Tara, you were talking about being optimistic. And the question I has I have always is, is there political will to do this? This is the big thing. I do believe that individuals and organizations do have the will, but it's the political will. And at the end of the day, we do need them to tell us what to do. You know, that's just the way our society is structured. So, but at that grassroots level, I really believe the activism comes from you are cyclical. I will bash that into you, even if you don't want to know it, you know, and then, you know, and think about how that reflects itself out there and what you can do. And it's once we have that greater understanding of this, how we're part of something much bigger, I think that's when individuals are like, hang on a minute. Yeah, this is this is a real thing. This is like this outer season is is really jarring with my inner season. and I'm getting this idea of all these things. Um, so for me, I think it's that banging on about it morning noon and night cyclical nature and and just really getting p individuals I think it all happens at that level that individual grassroots level of of that moment when it clicks and you're like absolutely we are connected to everything outside to each other and everything so yeah I think for me um that's really where it is at the moment but yeah I want to hear what the others have to say I kind of agree like um I totally agree with the uh, the connection with yourself and how that then gives, once you can see that you actually are a part of nature and not separate to it, then I don't think that you can ignore things like climate change once you've made that and experienced that, that you are part of it. And I think that a lot of the, the problem with what we've kind of seen, especially in, in a so-called civilized, westernized culture is that the part of the industrial revolution and thereafter was really all about how do we master nature how do we how do we control it how do we um overcome it and we've not let go of that and I, and what concerns me about our choices around climate change is that we seem to be rather than reconsidering our philosophy of how we approach this thing to just be belligerently how can we use a technology to overcome this and continue the way that we have been and like you guys were saying it's the perfect example of how that is uh, can come across in a woman's body is the use of the pill to overcome her her cyclical problems that when really there was something else entirely to blame um so and and in terms of my activism i'm i'm not a traditional activist i'm i'm not a stomping on the streets kind of a person but i i very much took on board the the idea of like be the change that you want to see in the world and when it comes to my activism it's turned more into um the the why the the i don't know the foundation of of the company that I have and the products that we make and and how I market them like how I talk about them and the intentions behind those and how they are different to other things that are on the market which are about overcoming the female body or ignoring the female body or somehow mastering it in some way I think with the word activism I think a lot of people like how Natasha said think it will be you stomping on the street, you know, yeah, you know, dyed your hair, whatever, you know, you've got like a stereotype of what that would look like. But I genuinely think the strongest thing anyone, anyone who's just eco-curious, who is worried and thinks, oh well, yeah, God, the weather went really, it's got a bit mental, hasn't it? Like what was what is going to happen? The best thing we can all do is just start talking about it. Just start talking about it, like like I always say, dropping those turd sandwiches. Like just, like just at every point, you know, like the water cooler, cooler moments at, you know, at work or at school pickup. You know, often like at different times when people are like, oh, it's gorgeous weather. I'm like, oh yeah, it's climate emergency. Like I will just put it in there anywhere. Like I would just, just so people let's let's let that percolate into your subconscious like we need to know this is an emergency but if we're not talking about it then there's nothing going to move and I'm in no way perfect in my choices and also Julius I agree with you like we can all make individual choices but that is peanuts you know like when people talk about that, oh yeah I recycle and I'm just like you know I don't want to put off people recycling but that is 
small change compared to like what we actually need to we need to stop burning fossil fuels like tomorrow like as it's sorry today <laughs> so this is where we need to go but I want to give people hope in the sense that you don't need to be stomping the streets you can just be having those conversations and also by using your cycle knowing that there's likely to be half your cycle where you can't be asked to talk about it because you know what you're in your resting mode because you're in your winter or you're too busy having a bit of a laugh and that's fine like you need to know where you need to be nourished and by living you know cyclically we can like how Juliet said we can be sustainable sustainable in every aspect of our life so you don't need to be an eco-activist every day of your menstrual cycle you can use that wherever it feels right for you it might be that you've got the fire in your belly in that you know that autumn phase the week before your period and you feel like yeah yeah I can write that stinky email to my MP or whatever it is or I'll have a few edgy conversations about this topic or it might be in your summer where you're feeling really confident and brave and sassy and you're you're fine to take that on but we we should not be eco-activists every day of our cycle because we will burn out because that basically we can't do everything the same through our cycle and we need to give ourselves plenty of rest if we are going to be useful if really our main aim is to you know save humanity because as as um, a friend of mine says you know we don't need to save planet planet's gonna be fine <laughs> because they're basically we just get <laughs> humankind is going to be wiped out eventually and then the plants can sort themselves out again they'll be absolutely fine so it's all about actually saving ourselves and if we want to do that we need to do that in a really sustainable way working with your cycle knowing there's different times that you're going to have to step up and you can be really present and other times you're going to pull yourself back and you're going to nurture yourself and really look after the foundations of your health so you can then step up again and then step back again and just keep on like the tide coming back and forth and not thinking we need to be the same can i ask a question do you think that like if the messaging that we were getting from the media and stuff was less about saving the planet and more about saving humanity that we would have got a bit further by now absolutely you know absolutely you know the nearest you get is like do it for your do it for your grandchildren and I still think that's pretty abstract actually <laughs> like I think I think it needs to be more urgent than that okay so we're coming towards the close here and in a moment I'm going to ask you for your top tip for sustainable climate activism but because I'm kind, feeling kind today, and because Natasha's not very well, I'm going to go first and give you a bit of a breathing space. So my top tip is yoga nidra, my favourite thing, um, which is a guided meditation that allows you to take deep rest. And if you choose one of mine, and there are loads of free ones on my site, or many people who have trained at yoga nidra network they will also connect you with the earth and with your cyclical nature while you lie down so that you will be able to draw sustenance from this planet that is sustainable and then when you're rested you'll be able to do your activism in your way so who's going to go next so for me as a nutritionist what's coming through is eating for the inner and outer seasons knowing that we don't eat the same every day every inner season but also outer season and you know the, the whole concept of eating seasonally sometimes touches the supermarkets and things a little bit when they're just trying to flog off some like bashed up apples or whatever most of the time um but yeah for me the the activism and that really like lies at the core of my nutrition work is you know really what do we need in in this inner season what does our inner terrain want to be fed today and how does then that reflect with with outer seasons and it's not just what but how do we want to eat it how much do we want to eat there's all of that involved and that when I work with my clients is huge, such a huge shift when we understand this. Um, so yeah, that's I think my my top activism tip for today. Thank you, Julietta. Who's next? Laura, what's your top tip for sustainable uh, climate activism? 
my biggest tip would be to move your bank. So uh, not all banks are created equal. Barclays is the largest fossil fuel investor in Europe. So move your bank to one of the many ones that don't invest in fossil fuels and the same with the pension as well. Our money, where it is, where it's investing, it's so important to move away from the institutions that are supporting the fossil fuel industry and therefore basically the ending of humanity. Thank you, Natasha. Um, I've got two that are like coming to me. One of one of them is um, if you are still menstruating to swap to sustainable, reusable menstrual products. I found personally that having to deal with cleaning and getting rid of the blood itself was a, a very physical act of connection that I found really useful and uh, bought me made me so much more curious about what I could have what there was to learn about my period and the blood itself um but also makes you more aware that you are part of nature and and coming back into that kind of connection again and I think if you're not menstruating then and if you if you are making a real um dedication to rest like you were saying Kate with yoga nidra really um and I think one of the ways that I would recommend doing that um, you, is by using herbs. You can use adaptogenic herbs that will help to get you off that kind of like stressy cortisol place of like rushing around, doing too much, consuming too much, requiring too much of the planet. And if we all had more downtime, we probably would be um, live a lot less, a lot more simple life and require a lot less things from the planet. Thank you. Yeah, Uma says, uh, resting humans cause less trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so um, before we go, can you tell me um, any kind of exciting work staff events coming up, things that or resources, maybe resources that people can tap into that, that you have? Julieta, where do we find you? And um, do you have any, some yummy resources that people can use? I do. So you can find me on Instagram. I am at hormones underscore in underscore harmony. Just look up hormones in harmony. Um, in terms of resources, I have lots of recipe, free recipe resources. I've got like hormone healing soups. I've got all sorts of things in the heat wave. I put together cooling drinks because I did not know what to do with myself. <laughs> so all of these are available. I also have meal plans that are really based on really sustainable ways of eating, you know, really beautiful, brief, uh, beautifully put together recipes. Um and I, I also am the co-host of a podcast myself. So come and find me there. If you resonate with the cyclical living message, the Fem Powered podcast is a great place to come and, and hang out if you if you like the way I wobble on. Um, and if you ever want to talk to me about optimizing your hormone health, getting geeky, getting sciencey, find out what your hormones are doing, you can book in a free call and we can talk about how that looks. Um, and if, if you have any questions, just DM me on Instagram or send me an email. You know, I'm always up for a hormone cyclical conversation, literally anything. So yeah, that's me. Thank you. Tara, where do we find you? Thanks, Kate. Um, I'm at taragosh.com and also underscore taragosh underscore on Instagram. I have loads of freebies on my Instagram account, um, like tips for PMS and for period pain. I'm really passionate about empowering the next generation. So there's a great handout there for how to prepare um, your kids for getting their first period. Um, I run period ready workshops for eight to 12 year olds and how not to hate your periods for teenagers. Um, and I'm really excited to be doing school period workshops. So if you are a trustee, a governor, you're a parent, you want me in your school talking to your young people, then get in touch. Fabulous. Natasha. So you can find me at foragebotanicals.co.uk. And we're on Instagram as at Forage Botanicals as well. Um, and I have written a book called Your Period Handbook, which goes into cyclical living and how to chart your cycles. But also half of the book is dedicated to how to use herbs to alleviate common problems and how to differentiate between a common problem that's something that you can manage yourself and a common problem that might be a bit more serious. Um, and needs a bit more additional help. 
And in terms of events and things this year, I'm hoping to get back out and do some teaching again once um, the baby is kind of more established. Um, and what else are we doing this year? We're doing lots of, we also have treatment plans available with our team of herbalists. I don't take patients anymore. I have a couple of herbalists that take patients for me while I concentrate on new interesting products for like menopause stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. And I'm just going to drop this in here because, because I just because I can, ha ha ha, uh, which is that I'm really interested in liberating the seasons from the menstrual cycle and helping people identify what season they're in. So I'm going to, you know, because I'm greedy and because I'm, it's my podcast, I'm the host and I can, I'm going to do another top tip, which is to just ask, ask yourself, in the mornings or whenever you remember what season do I most relate to now and that goes for whether you're menstruating or not or pregnant or whatever gender you are or or whatever understanding or recognizing what season is most apparent for you in any moment is one of the most useful instant keys into self-care that I have discovered thank you all so much for coming um it's been really fab thank you <laughs> thank you kate for getting us together yeah thank you can i do a screenshot of us we all look great yeah well and done well done for great, by the way you look great you do not look like you've got norovirus at all okay big smiles <laughs> and yes full disclosure we did look absolutely great <laughs> So massive thank you to Tara and Julieta and Natasha for sharing their wisdom. My book, Second Spring, The Self-Care Guide to Menopause, is available from your favourite independent bookshop. And if you fancy exploring one-to-one sessions or a retreat day, just go to my booking page at katecodrington.co.uk where you can book a free chat. All the all my guests' uh, bios and links and details about their work and their offerings are on in the show notes and on my website. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would be wonderful if you told a friend about the podcast. And you could share it on your socials too. That would be great. And rate it or even leave a review on iTunes. Everything you do to support this endeavour makes a huge difference to me and to other listeners. And I so appreciate your support. I hope that together we can spread the word that we don't need fixing. And mostly we suffer because of the messed up system that we live in. If this is your first episode, please do have a rummage. There are loads more, including ones on perimenopause, postmenopausal life, on creativity, writing, autism, ADHD, yoga, ageing, money, style. So much good stuff. Thank you for listening and I'll be back in your ears very soon.